So like we've talked about the last couple of weeks, uh, this week's going to be a little different. So instead of, um, instead of really digging into Romans, we're going to be learning how to put some of what we've learned in Romans into practice. Um, and so what you should have in that you should have received are two copies of this. They are exactly the same. We'll talk about why you have two. And I don't have the, can I borrow your, you've got one of these on cardstock. These are the verses that are used in the, in the tract. So if you want to cut them apart to sort of learn them, that's what they are. But then there's a copy of them that's also got the hole punch so you can put it in your notebook if you want it in your notebook. And then you're going to want a pencil, pen, writing utensil, and you're going to be writing on this page right here. So you've got the first one's done for you. The second one you're going you're gonna to do while we're talking now. The third one you're going to do in your small group, and the fourth one is your homework. So that's why you have four sets of these squares, but we'll talk more about that too. So, now, I have heard this particular story in a couple of different forms, but I can't find where to give credit, but just know the concept is not original to me, even though the wording is, because I couldn't find the exact one. And for the record, when I tell stories like this, I always use the names of the Beatles. And so that's why the, um, it's just easy for me to remember. So John, John was very active at his church. He loved God deeply. He had been a Christian for much of his life. And he worked every day in an office job. But he was determined to be a good witness and be a light in his workplace. And then George, a new, new employee, joined the company. John could tell that George was not a Christian, and he was determined to bring him to Christ. So John and George worked closely together for several years. John took every opportunity he could to show love to George. He would bring George a cup of coffee when he went to get one for himself. He brought in donuts to share. He was kind, encouraging, positive when things went wrong. But nothing changed for George. Then one day, George came back from lunch with Ringo. And George had a huge smile on his face and was practically giddy with excitement. He couldn't wait to talk to his friend John. He said, John, you need to hear about Jesus. My life is changed because I invited him into my life. John's shoulders sagged and his smile faded. And don't get me wrong, he was excited for George. George was now a Christian, but George was trying to tell him, a longtime believer, about Jesus. Didn't he already know that John was a Christian? So George saw the change in body language for John and he asked what was wrong. And John said, I have been showing you the love of Jesus for years to help you become a believer, and you don't even think I'm a Christian. George responded by saying, I had no, no idea you were doing it because of Jesus. I just thought you were a nice person. Ladies, our actions are important, but our words are also John shared with George about the fruit of the gospel, but not the gospel itself. 
And while I will be the first in line to say that a full-blown gospel presentation is not the only way to talk to people about Jesus and to plant seeds, it is definitely a necessary one for bringing them to Christ. Sometimes we talk about how God is working in our life and in the world, and that's enough for the moment. But the message of the gospel is necessary for true salvation. Over the last several months of our study in Romans, we've seen why people need Jesus. And over the last several weeks, we've talked about the Jewish nation in particular. But in in reality, it applies to all those who are lost and about the need to not give up on them. And so just a few weeks ago, we looked at Romans 10, and I gave somebody Romans 10, 9, and 10. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so there are two things that it says if, if you do these two things, then you will be saved. So what was the first one? Confess. Confess that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is fully God, that he has the authority, the power, that, that he is worth being called Lord. And then the second part is what? believing and it's believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. This is the idea that Jesus came into the world as a human, being tempted just like we are, and yet led a sinless life to be sacrificed for us and overcame death and sin. And so those are the two things that you have to know to be able to be saved. You have to know, believe, understand the whole thing. But then we also talked about the fact that while evangelism is a spiritual gift that some receive, it is a calling for all of us. And so Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So we are called to make disciples. And as we were talking about this at at dinner last night, Catherine goes, there's another verse. There's another verse that tells us we have to go and tell people about Jesus. And and then she says, do you know what it is? And I said, well, it's Acts 1-8. She goes, you weren't supposed to answer. But you asked the question. So Acts 1-8 also tells us. We aren't all called to go to the ends of the earth, but we are all called to be Jesus' witnesses, Jesus' witnesses. But we aren't all gifted in this area, and it can be a struggle, definite struggle. Um, What are some reasons we don't share the the full-on gospel with, with words? Fear, fear of what? 
Rejection. Rejection. In my case, it's, I'm going to mess it up. That's what, I mean, that, yeah. that, that is the underlying thing. It's like this, you know, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to do that. And so, yeah. It's Fe fear of messing up. Yeah. Yeah. What what's that other person gonna think about me? Yeah. How do you get there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna challenge you that that some of us, or and maybe not us necessarily in this room, but some people don't share the gospel because they don't have a heart that's broken for the lost. Paul talked about that great sorrow and unceasing anguish. Um, you know, the, that fear of being rejected, that fear of messing up, but there's also, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Then what do I do? So some of these fears are easier to deal with than others. Um, but, but we also have to, so, so we can take care of, of several of these. First, you've been coming to this Bible study. You should have a good understanding of what God's grace is. And you should understand the need for God's grace in lost people. There are, it, it shouldn't take much to get you to the point where you're then brokenhearted for them. I mean, you remember that whole at the beginning, it was the wrath of God, right? That's what people are getting and that's what we should, we should really be heartbroken for. Um, if you're struggling, still struggling with understanding what God's grace, if you've missed some of the lessons, go to the website. Um, we also have it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Elizabeth or I can help you find any of those um, so that you can, you can catch up and understand. Um, or talk to your small group leader. Talk to me. Talk to Elizabeth. We want to help you understand that grace. Uh, for some people, they don't have lost people in their lives. I'm going to tell you, you need to make some new friends. <laughs> you need to have lost people in your lives. You can't be a witness like Acts 1-8 tells us if you're only surrounding yourself with Christians. Should non-Christians be your closest friends? Absolutely not. But if you don't have them in your life, you're being disobedient. Meet a neighbor. Build a relationship with the parents of your kids' friends. Help with Upward and build some relationships there. More than just coaches are needed for Upward, there's a huge number of people that are at our, our church over the course of a season that most of them don't attend our church and a good number of them don't attend church at all. Join a meetup group. Put yourself out there. Seek out opportunities. Uh, with respect to, to them asking a question you don't know the answer to. 
Tell them you don't know, but you would love an opportunity to meet again with them so that you can do more reading and give them an answer. You've just told them that they're important to you because you're going to do some extra work. You've just opened the door to have this conversation a second time. That's huge. And you're going to learn something in the process. You know, Andrew has come home a few times. He goes to, to public school, comes, has come home, I say a few times, several times, many times, and asked Ray and I questions that, that his friends have asked him about Christianity at school or that someone has made a comment about at school. And we talk through the answers, point to Bible verses, and Andrew goes back to them and talks to them about it later. He has opened the door to these friends to talk about the gospel with them again. And then it opens them up to be able to come back to him with more questions. Because he, they know he's going to go find out and he's going to give them a good answer. But then it, it leads us to the bulk of our lesson today. Because there is that fear of, um, of not saying it right, not doing it right. But if we know a method of sharing the gospel that we are comfortable with, that we are confident in, then we're going to know what to say and we won't be afraid of messing it up. So um, I will say, because I just found this last night, um, uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, they had a, a thing related to two ways to live, one of their they call it core seminars, but they, they ask the question in there, what is successful evangelism? And so this is the, this is, it's, are you presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ accurately? Are you sharing the gospel with lost people? And are you relying on the power of the Holy Spirit? That's what makes evangelism successful that's what that's what what the goal is successful sharing the gospel is not leading them to Christ sharing successful evangelism is being faithful letting the holy spirit lead and guide and being accurate and so today we're going to talk about the heart of the gospel message and, uh, and this particular method of, of sharing the gospel. Um, we're looking at this particular one, two ways to live. Just so you know, I learned it in this blue one, so my wording is going to be a little different than in this, this brown one. The brown one just came out, was just updated like a year ago. And I, so my wording is going to be a little bit different, but that's okay. It's the same exact ideas. Um, now, this is not the only good gospel tract or method of evangelism. I, I, I'm sure there are others out there that are better for other people than this one is. But this is the one I'm comfortable with. Uh, I, I learned it when we lived in Louisville. Our church did a, a seven-week class on just how to share the gospel using this method. Um, if you're interested, the, 
it's a DVD class through Matthias Media, so you would, or you can convince Elizabeth that you need more training in it and see what she can do. But, um, but this is kind of my go-to method because I I understood it. Uh, I I and it's clear, it's concise, um, and it it hits the those main points of of what um, of what uh, the gospel truly is. It's also very um, easy to remember. You've got six pictures, right? And pictures sometimes will help help your trigger your memory. But the final reason that I love this one is that it asks you for a response. It asks you to ask the person for a response. That sixth box is you saying, there are two ways to live. Which one do you want? My first time sharing the gospel was an absolute mess. I know God used it. I know a seed was planted. Um, but I had been praying. I was in college, had been praying the entire semester for an encounter with this person where I could, I could share the gospel. But when someone asked me later whether she accepted it or not, I realized I had no idea because I didn't give her the chance. I didn't, I didn't make her make a choice. Um, you know, just the other day, so, so by, by asking the question, you're taking it from an intellectual conversation into a call to action. Just the other day at dinner, Catherine was talking about her FCA meeting that morning, uh, FCA's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's a national organization, but they have groups in, in schools, uh, all over the place. Um, the, Mr. Burr is the health teacher. He's the club sponsor, and he had shared the gospel during their, during their meeting that morning. And he had asked people to close their eyes and to pray, and if they hadn't accepted Jesus before and wanted to, to raise their hands and to pray with him. And Catherine was just so amazed at how great it was for him to not just share what the gospel was, but to make people make a decision. She just, she was, she said, but that's the only way that it was Liz and R.C. Fraley Hogue that led her to the Lord. And she remembers that moment, but she remembers it because they asked her the question. She responded because she was asked to take action. So I was not able to find a, um, an easel. So you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. I'm going to do my best, but just remember the pictures are on your paper. The pictures are in your, in your books, your booklets. So, um, two ways to live is produced by Matthias media. It's an Australian company. So if you end up watching, um, they, they have a website, which is just two ways to live.com all words. That's a good resource as well. Um, but you'll hear some of the Australian accent. So it's kind of fun too. <laughs> um, but, uh, so there, there, that website is good also if you just need an extra boost for your memory, um, 
for it. It has an actual video. It also has the uh, kind of the tract laid out as well. Um, so you're, you have two copies of the tract. Thank you. Um, two, two copies of the tract, one for you to learn and study, mark in it, make notes, do what you need to do to help you remember, and then one for you to give to somebody else. But my challenge is don't just, don't just say, here, read that. Like, that's not the point, right? The point of you learning this is for you to share it with them and then leave it with them so that they can they can look at it again um it it's not it's not just so that you know they'll actually read it if you share it with them but it's so that you can follow up with them because if you're just handing it to them it's just sort of here but it's hands off but if you're going through it with them and then you give it to them and then you come back and you see them again and it's, hey, did you think more about that? You know? So just because you're getting these this week, I do not expect you to find someone to share the gospel with this week. It is not something that is like timed. Um, I get that. Completely get that. I will challenge you that you should be praying for somebody this week that you can share the gospel with. But carry one with you in your purse or in your car. Um, put your copy next to your Bible or in the cover of your Bible so that when you're reading the Bible, you can take time to just sort of refresh your, your memory on it so that you can remember and be ready. Um, so the scriptures that are used in here and what I typed on the um, on your handout for those those cards is the 2011 NIV um, and I did that because that's what's in here so that if you hand this to them you're gonna there it's worded the way it is on here and So, um, so just know it's not about memorizing word for word what I'm going to tell you. It is about um, understanding the concepts, being clear, and so that's, that's where we're going to go. So we're starting... At the beginning, the first picture there, there's a one up at the top of your page. And then you're going to want to take your paper with that we handed out, and you're going to want to find that first little box with your pencil. And so this is how I would share the gospel and have shared the gospel. I'm going to scoot this way a smidge and turn my paper so I don't forget my my steps because I'm in front of people. Um, do, do, do. God made the world. <coughs> he is the loving ruler of the world. 
he made us as rulers of the world under him. Right? Everybody can draw lines and circles, right? So God is ruler of the world. He made us rulers under him. So humanity was created to live in and rule God's world under God's authority. Now here is where they tell you to write in what the reference is for the verse for that, um, that section. So draw this. Your little box should look like this. That's all I can do. I can do stick figures. <laughs> and so then as you write the Revelation 4.11, you're going to tell people, the Bible says... And you're going to tell them Revelation 4.11. If you don't have it completely memorized, that's okay. Just tell them the gist of what it says. Read it straight from the tract that you're going to hand them. It's okay, but you want them to know it comes straight from the Bible. And so um, who has Revelation 4.11? So then you say, this sounds great, right? God in heaven, people following God's direction and ruling the world, all is right for the world. But is that the reality that we live in now? And then you say, no, it isn't. And you erase your drawing. I erase my drawing. You just move to your next little square in your drawing. And then we still have world and you can turn your page to page to page two if you want to we still have our world and we still have God because those things never change but sadly we all reject God we don't want we, we try to run our life without him we want to run our life our own way we don't like someone else being in charge. We want to rule ourselves. And while it's not the same method for all of us, we all want to live our own way. So our own way isn't all the same, but we all want to live our own way. We all act like little gods with our own little crowns. We compete with one another and, and all, we compete with one another, all with our own little crowns and the result is miserable. The result is suffering, injustice, all that we see in the world around us. And then the verse for this one is one that should be somewhat familiar because we talked about it not too long ago. Well, it's been a while. Romans 3, 10 through 12. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. 
all turned away, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And for the record, I just noticed this morning because I wrote this before I had this one. They use Isaiah 53.6, which is also a valid one. I mean, a good one that's, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Either one, learn whichever one, but yeah. Um, yeah, Isaiah 53, 6. See, I didn't have the new ones the whole time that I was writing. But then, um, so you would move to your next square. But God still cares about humanity, and he takes rebellion seriously. He will not let us rebel forever. So God's punishment for rebellion is death. And that death comes with judgment, right? But this, this judgment is entirely what we asked for. And this is where you can sort of refer back to your previous picture. And you just say, we wanted God to leave us alone. We wanted to be separate from God. And so that's what he does. He cuts us off. Because the, that consequence is is death and hell, and that's total separation from God. And then it's... Um, then it's Hebrews 9.27. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face There it is. I lost my eraser. <laughs> Too many things going on up here on this table. Um, so God's justice sounds really hard, doesn't it? But that's not the end. God truly loves the world that he created. And, and because of that love, God sent his son, Jesus, into the world. And we mark him with a J so we know he's Jesus and not one of us. Unlike us, Jesus always lived under God's rule. While Jesus had the power of God to heal the sick and walk on water, he allowed himself to be put to death on the cross, a death he didn't deserve because he obeyed God. And here's where you can sort of point back to your third picture there with, with death being the, the judgment, right? He died in our place and took our punishment, making forgiveness available to us. And then this one's another one where the new version uses Isaiah 53, 
uh, 53.6 again. And the old version uses 1 Peter 3.18. Um, And then the whole of 53.6, Isaiah 53.6 is, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The, and change the word iniquity, the guilt of us all, whatever you want to change it to. Um, but that's not all. Yes, Jesus died. But then we turn our page, we go to our fifth box. God raised Jesus to life again as ruler of the world. Jesus has conquered death and now gives forgiveness and new life and will return in glory. And then it's 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then, this is where we move to the best part. Because we then say, this leaves us with a clear choice. First, we have our way. We can reject God as ruler and try to run our own lives with the result of condemnation, judgment, and death. Or we have God's new way. We submit to Jesus as ruler. We rely on his death and resurrection where we are forgiven for all eternity. And then it's John 3. 36. Shall I read that? Yes, please. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. And then this is the critical part where you say, so which way do you want to live? You have to be comfortable with the pause. Give them an opportunity to think about it, but seek out a response from them. So now there are basically five questions, thank you, Joyce, or five different outcomes from this. And you're like, it, there are two ways to live. How can there be five outcomes, right? I, I get it. Um, so it's either, your th this first question has two 
um, two answers and only two answers. It's either I want to live my way or I want to live God's way. They could say they want to stick with living for themselves. That doesn't mean it was not a successful gospel presentation. You were still faithful. You were still doing a clear presentation. It's not a rejection of you. It's a rejection of God. They don't believe what you've been sharing. Their hearts weren't ready, and that's okay. We keep praying for them. We keep looking for opportunities to show them God being at work in, in your life and in theirs. But they've acknowledged that they know they are living for themselves. You can take the conversation further. You can try to understand why it is that they, what it is about what you said that they don't believe. Um, but the important part is you know they're not ready. If they want to stay living their way, they, they aren't ready. So the, the answer, the, the other four results will answer they want to live God's way. So then you ask a follow-up question, and you ask them, how are you living now? So just be, be aware. You cannot rush to judgment on people as they answer this question. Their answer has to be between them and God, not between you and them. So they may say that they are already living God's way. If they are already living God's way, then they are already Christians. Woohoo! Right? It's done. They may answer, so that was that was result number two, right? They may answer with result number three that they are halfway between living their way and God's way. Um, Matthias Media calls this on the fence. That was the term they used. This is when you take those drawings that you've made and you go back to boxes one and two and you say there's only two ways. There's, there isn't an in-between. You've either lived obediently to God or you've lived to yourself. And it is not full submission to God at this point. So just try to, to just sort of follow up with those two concepts and, and uh, encourage them that they, they really need to pick one way or, or the other. The third answer to this question is that they acknowledge that they are living their own way. So that leaves us, we had, I said five, we had three, so we've got two left. So that means you have to ask another question. And that last question is, um, would you like to change that? So they know they should be living God's way, but they're currently living their own way. Would you like to change that? If they say no, you just ask if you can follow up with them later. Give them a way to contact you so they can ask more questions. God's working. They just aren't quite ready to, to, to make that, that final commitment to submission. Invite them to church. 
so they can understand more of what living God's way actually means. But then the final option is that they say they do want to change and they do want to live God's way. And this is where you pray with them. You have them ask God for forgiveness, ask God for his help in changing their way of living, encourage them to read the Bible. If they don't have a copy, make sure they get one. There are copies at church if you're, if you're desperate. Um, or there are definite low-cost versions if you don't, if, if they're more of an app person, help them download the Bible app and start a reading plan for them. Show them how to start a reading plan. Encourage them to come to church. Encourage them to continue to pray and seek God. And that while their salvation is complete, if you remember we've talked about this through Romans as well, their salvation is complete, they will still fail and need to continue to trust in Jesus for, for forgiveness. I know that was a lot. That is the gospel in a very big nutshell, right? <laughs> but it's a way that you can practice, that you can um, be prepared and ready to, to be able to, to share the gospel. I don't want your goal to be to go out and share this method with a non-believer before you come back next week. The Holy Spirit is an important part of this whole process. But I do want you to practice at home at least once. Share it with your husband, your child, your friend. Tell them you just want to practice so you can keep it fresh in your head. But don't just, don't just think about it. Don't just read through it. Don't just practice it for yourself and, and draw the pictures while reading it. Say the words out loud. Um, so Andrew, our oldest, is now a sophomore in high school. He's taking AP Calculus, and we've been working with him on how to study, it's something that he has not had to do much in the past, and so it's teach, teaching him how to study the material that he's learning now that it's finally something that's new, that's challenging for him. We know that he watches the methods and information being taught in class. And we've talked about reading the material in a book to trigger other connections in his brain. We've talked about copying down example problems and not just reading through them. Because again, that process of writing triggers additional brain connections. But sometimes for him, studying for a test looks like him working the problem and then showing me how to do the problem. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, you messed that up. But most of the times, he does really well with it. But it's him teaching me, him saying the words while doing. So it's, it's remembering, it's speaking, it's writing all at the same time so that he can, he can learn better. So while it may seem silly for you to practice it like this, it'll feel awkward it's going to be helpful. I would rather feel awkward around my husband than around somebody who's, who's not a believer where I'm fumbling over the words and frantically trying to remember what the picture is that I'm supposed to be drawing and, and, and things like that. 
And so I would rather do it to someone who is gracious and understanding uh, than, than because I can't remember something and have to read it to be able to, to tell them. So thank you for trying. Thank you for making the effort to learn something hard. Thank you for taking the time to make a kingdom difference. Um, 